9. Loon Enlightenment Age of Unreason Theses Our thesis statement of paradise is that, quote, only the Torah is revealed, all else is made up. That is, that no claim is valid unless it derives from Genesis 1, 1, Aleph. Now you know why our world is broke. Because nothing follows from the universal principle of knowledge. Caveat. Given the richness of its content, it's a text podcast or ex-podcast, not your regular talk podcast. Some people may find the Kabbalistic, theological, philosophical, and scientific content unsettling to their beliefs, values, and interests. That is, this is postmodern, post-rabbinic midrash. Listener discretion, study in group, as well as reading the text while listening to the ex-podcast is highly recommended. Dedication to the blessed of heart moved to chatting with God. Quotations. King Solomon, Kohelet, Ecclesiastes. Quote, happiness is futile. Try chatting with God instead. King Solomon, Mishlei, Proverbs 9.10. Quote, the beginning of wisdom D is fear S slash of Yotre And knowledge R of the Holy One is understanding P. Summary of the episodes. Episodes 1 to 5 are foundational, and thereafter they are the edification of civilization. Nobody buys intangibles. No one buys a house because it has great foundations. Rather, what's above ground is what sells, and only after marketing puts it out there. But when you do decide to buy a house, you sure want it to have good foundations. Episode 1. Lie and Truth, Big Lie, Big Truth 1. The opening episode is about why the world is broken and what to do about it. Why is the world broken? The lie is that the world is broken because it's a broken world. The truth is that the world is broken because we break it. That is, we keep breaking it, trying to fix things because we really don't know how we know that we know what we know. Episode number two. Enlightened democracy is dead, long live paradise, post-modernity. The people list state consists in going from a three to a five power state. That is, on the one hand, the government would consist of the legislative first power for laws and the executive second power for order, and on the other hand, the people, consisting of the judicial third power for justice, the news media fourth power for information, and the university fifth power for administration of the budget. Additionally, transition from one person one vote to one person triad votes, and children entitled to vote by way of their parents or legal guardians. <clears throat> Episode number three, Bigger Lie and Bigger Truth, part two. The bigger lie is that the takeaway of the Bible is the golden rule. The bigger truth is that the one commandment in the Torah is the universal principle of knowledge as found in Genesis 1-1-A Aleph. This one commandment encompasses all the 613 commandments of the sages, including the 10 Decalogue of Moses. In Gematria, 6 plus 1 plus 3 gives 1, 0, which reduces to 1. Episode 4, The Age of Empowerment of Postmodernity by Paradise Chat with God. Life is all about chatting with God. Chatting with God is all we have to do to get the blessing of creative empowerment. The sweet spot is in Deuteronomy 6, 8, with the point origin at Genesis 1, 1, a Aleph. Episode 5. Biggest Lie, Biggest Truth, Part 3. The biggest lie is, on the one hand, escapism of messianism and mysticism, and on the other hand, defeat 
ism of habitual crises. The biggest truth empowers us to integrate civilization and help save creation by applying the universal principle of knowledge. Episode 6, Civilization on Israel 1, Greece 2nd. The case is made for a creative civilization based on primeval Israel, then derivatively on classical Greece. Primeval Israel means having for cornerstone of the Torah, Genesis 1, Aleph, in order to constitute civilization. Now, with the lies exposed and debunked, Israel can finally play, primeval Israel can finally play its anointed role in history. Episode number 7, Paradise App in Theory and Practice. Ample examples are provided from Science R, philosophy, uh, Science P, Philosophy R, and Religion D to prove the existence of the underlying principle of knowledge is slash at work in the Torah Bible. Episode 8. Postmodernity, Postrabbinism, and Primeval Israelism. The thesis is simply that the point origin of the Torah is the Genesis 101a Aleph as Aleph slash Bereshit A slash in beginning of. That is, that civilization is primeval Israel of paradise. Once properly debunking modernity and rabbinism, we propose primeval Israelism for postmodernity and for post-rabbinism. <clears throat> Executive summary, ninth episode. The moonlightenment age of dualism is masquerading as the enlightenment age of reason. Once we're in the times of postmodernity and of post-rabbinism, we would then be in a position to transcend the secular negating S slash and religion neg neglecting PRD. That is, Israelism means primeval Israel S slash classical Greece PRD. Homework. No prior knowledge is assumed other than familiarity and interest with the quest of chatting with God for the creative blessing of empowerment. All concepts and vocabulary required will be provided in due time. Also, we will leave the theory for homework to the listener since we're starting smack in the middle and not at the beginning in order to highlight its importance but in detriment to systemic creative exposition. The assignment is to consult my self-published books at Amazon to get a good handle on the empowering approach of paradise. These books are, quote, Pardesism, Human Science 101, published in 2018, quote, Paradise, the Age of Unveilment of Genesis 101 Aleph, 2019, quote, The Principle of World Caring in 2020, and, quote, Saving Creation in 2021. For ease of understanding, there are 70 or so videos on YouTube on topics from the books. Additionally, there are the other ex-podcasts in this series on Inaugurating Paradise Postmodernity of Empowerment at my website, paradiseism.org. The books are the source. The ex-podcasts are its divulgation. Moonlightenment Age of Dualism. The problem with the so-called Enlightenment period and its alleged age of reason is that there's no shadow with God. There's only the heartless mind of Greece. No wonder it leads to such life-threatening behaviors in our midst. If you love chatting with God, you'll have a creative civilization. If you think that the mind suffices, you'll end up with a godless, secular, demurge universe of Plato or else a no-creation, no-creator, permanent universe of Aristotle. We need to become the microcosmos. 
we need to transmute from the Raj Discover to Sod Secret slash, or better still, onto Paradise. Once we know who and what we are at Deuteronomy 6, 4-8, we will love God by taking things to heart and speaking about them. At one point, we need to take charge of things and then remake ourselves, both inside and outside, and in the process become creatives of contemporary times moving forward. We need to be attentive, receptive, and intentional. It makes perfect sense once you think about it. For how can you love God if you're not chatting with the Creator? Praying is not loving God. It's just a one-way street to keep Creator away at a safe distance. Much like the Bene Israel, children of Israel in the desert, crying out to Moses to serve as interlocutor, not letting God speak to them directly, lest they die. But let's quote leaving nothing to memory. Exodus 20, 15-19, verse twenty fifteen, 15, Vekol Ha'am, and all the people, quote, And all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the flare of the horn and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they fell back and stood at a distance. Comment. Witnessing the presence of God must have, must have been frightening, to put it mildly. Verse 2016. el Moshe. You speak to us, they said to Moses. Quote, you speak to us, they said to Moses, and we will obey. But let not God speak to us, lest we die. Comment. The people were afraid and opted out listening to God directly. Verse 2017, Vayomer Moshe, and said Moses, quote, Moses answered the people, quote, Be not afraid, for God has come only in order to test you, and in order that the fear of God may be ever with you, so that you do not go astray. Comment. The point of God talking to them was to instill in humanity the ability to chat with God, Thereafter, at any, at one's time and choosing. Verse 2018. So the people, so the people remained at a distance, while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. Comment. Opportunity lost. Daylight was allowed to separate God from the Bene Israel, children of Israel. Verse 2019. And said God. And said to Moses, I mean, and said God to Moses, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, quote, You yourself saw that from the heavens I spoke to the people. Comment. God reminds the people, but through the agency of Moses, that they can likewise chat with him at will. The conclusion from this event is that reconnecting with God was not a given. They would have to figure it out on their own on their own on their own thereafter. And this is where the mirage of quick hand tricks comes to take over till contemporary times. That is, applying it to modern times that the Enlightenment age of reason would be exposed to having its identity stolen by the Moonlightenment age of dualism. Disqualify, cancel, and delete. It is hard to gain acceptance. It is so easy to be disqualified, canceled, or deleted. Case in point, if you're not a rabbi or priest D, if you're not a doctor or a scholar R, and not enjoying organizational recognition P, then you're as good as not being there. Double-decker chat. Allow me to insist on the practical importance of the thesis of, quote, chatting with God as civilization. This require, requires taking another look at the Shema Israel, listen Israel. 
the stepping stone of Deuteronomy 6.1, along with the cornerstone at Genesis 1.1a Aleph. Though this is a repeat of past episodes, its emphasis changes. This is analogous to the Russian doll Matryoshka, a series of dolls nested inside another, or what we may equally call a double-decker sandwich. In any case, let's proceed without further ado. Genesis 1.1a Aleph. 1.1a Aleph. Aleph slash Bershit A in beginning of. Quote A slash in beginning of created Elohim. Chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth. Comment. This is the point origin of the Torah. Its important lies in establishing the criterion of validity that every claim must be derived from it. Recall that the correct way of reading the cornerstone is uncurling it. Yes, much like eating a packaged dish. You first have to unfold the wrap before enjoying the meal. In what follows, we'll spell out how each section of the verse reads, how it's represented, and what each means. Aleph slash reads S slash means creator. Aleph slash Brashit A in beginning of reads S uh, forward slash forward slash PRD means creator slash creative slash creation. Aleph Bereshit Bara, A in beginning of created, uh, reads S slash PRD, means creator, creation, created. Bereshit Bara Elohim, in beginning of created Elohim, reads D, means creation, created God. Bara Elohim et, created Elohim chatting with, reads R, means created <coughs> God chatting with. Elohim et hashamayin ve et haaretz. God is language with the heavens and language with the earth. Reads P. Means both that the meaning of God, quote, is chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth, as well as, quote, that God is chatting with the heavens and is chatting with the earth. That God is what God does. This is reminiscent of wholesome people who walk the talk. Comment. The above is a Torah in a nutshell. In practice, Genesis 1, 1, Aleph spells out as paradise. Once the point origin is uncurled in place, then things start emanating from this cornerstone. Much like the foundations are in place, resting on bedrock, you can safely start erecting the skyscraper. We jump now to the end of the Torah, the book of Deuteronomy, otherwise known as the second Torah, or second teaching, insofar as it summarizes the first four books of the Pentateuch of Moses. Deuteronomy 6.1, verse 6.1. Vesot HaMitzvah, and this is the commandment, <clears throat> quote, and this is the commandment, S slash, the laws and the rules, that Yotrebavhe, your God, has commanded to impart to you, D, to be taught to you, R, to observe in the land, P, that you are about to cross and occupy. Comment, this verb, verse singles out the commandment, S slash, as the principle, at Genesis 1, 1, Aleph. Now we move on to the now we move on. Now we move on the layout to lay out the rest of the verse of this important instruction. Deuteronomy six verses four to nine. Verse six four. Shema Israel. Listen Israel. Quote. Listen Israel. Yod is our God. Yod is one. <coughs> Comment. This exemplifies the paradise principle in terms that cannot be missed. Verse six five. Ve'achavta and you shall love. Quote, and you shall love chatting with God, with Yotrebavhe, your God, 
with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Comment. This is the verse of interest, but first let's go through the rest to provide the vast background and later return to comment on it. But in passing, please note that left heart appears with a double vav. I'm not sure what it means other than emphasizing that herein is not talking about the heart of emotions, but rather the higher octave as the seat of human essence. Verse 66, Vechayu, and it shall be. And it will be these things which I charge you this day to your heart. <clears throat> Comment. This refers to the transformative power that chatting with God has on us. That is, the transition from the dualism of the happiness mirage to integrating civilization and saving creation. But in passing, please note that left L-E-V-V, heart, also appears with a double V. If, if it is the case of the double heart, so to speak, then it jumped from heart of physical love to heart of divine love. Verse 6, 7, Veshinantam, and impress upon them, <clears throat> quote, and impress upon them your children and recite them when you stay at home and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Comment. This gives the specific specifics of our mission if we choose to accept. Verse 6, 8, Ukshartam, and bind them. Ukshartam leot al yadecha vechayuletotafot beineinecha. Quote, and bind them as a sign unto your hand, and they will be drippings, reminders, between your eyes. Comment. This is the key verse of taking charge and has already been covered amply elsewhere. Verse 6, 9. Uchtaftam, and inscribe them. Quote, and inscribe them on the doorposts of your houses and on your city gates. Comment. This says to write it inside and outside, us, relatively speaking. Now that we've laid out the background, let's return to focus on the on the foreground of interest with verse 6-5, Ve'achavta, and you shall love. The reason we call it nested is on account of the repetition of chatting, chatting with. Let's place it on hand for immediate access. Verse 6-5, Ve'achavta, and you shall love. Quote, and you shall love chatting with Yotchevav, your God, with all your heart and with all with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Comment. The emphasis is on loving on loving on loving to chat with God. But is that all there is to it? No, by far. Recall from Genesis one one a Aleph the definition of God as Elohim et Hashamain Bethharis. God is chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth. Reads P. This then means that to love chatting with God with Yodhev of your God in turn on curls as to love chatting with Yodhev of your God by chatting with the heavens and by chatting with the earth. I equate it to those memorable gifts which come wrapped in a box inside a box to keep expectations high or something along those lines. Mission means and ends. Now a few a few more words on the double tiered heart of verses six five and six six. Cryptically, the heart appears in 6.5 as love, S, slash, heart, D, soul, R, might, P, but has the potential to jump to the next level of realization as heart, S, slash, from the gross to the sublime. You might be asking, and what for? Well, this is in order to make the connection with the following verse, 6.7, referring to the mission in life. Moreover, including verses 6.8 and, and verse 6.9, it is taking the job to its finish. 
Please allow me to explain my take on this delicate and transcendental matter. Our heart seems to play both a chorus and a lead role in one. Ordinarily, the heart is the seat of emotions. Nothing bad with that. Thanks to it, there is procreation and a lot more, needless to say. Love means being one with God. By chatting with God, we are, quote, one by becoming the triad. So we are one by becoming triad. That is, this means that to love chatting with Yodhebafre Elohim, Creator God, integrates us as one in the triad. My take on this is that the cue of the double-tiered heart lies in the spelling of Lev, L-E-V-V, heart. Normally, heart is spelled with one vav, V as in L-E-V, Lev, heart. But here, the unique spelling of Lev, L-E-V-V, heart, is telling us that it can take this double role of heart, D, and most importantly, also as heart, as slash. From the very beginning, we have this nested character in us as Betselem creative, the who, the quote, who we are, and that the mood creature, the quote, what we become. The same occurs with the heart. It has this emotion nature of, quote, what, and divine culture, quote, who, much like the flip sides of the coin. In quote, we, as slash, who, the, and, or, what, p. This is just saying that we are both Betselem creative of the creator, is slash, and the mood creature of creation, PRD. In more philosophical language, this can be phrased as transcendence, is slash, immanence, PRD. But is that all? Far from it. Let's keep engaging with the text a little more. Let's quote again the verse of interest to have it within ears reach. Deuteronomy 6, 5. And you shall love. Quote, and you shall love chatting with with your God with all your heart and with all your might, with all your soul and with all your might. Comment. Please know that it says Bekol three times. Referring Bekol means uh, with all. Three times. Or referring to the heart, the soul, and the might, or in contemporary terms, to the spirit, the mind, and body. This thing, the thing is that the prefix be can mean both, quote, with as well as, quote, in. This is the same thing as above, that words have a nested or tiered meaning. The ordinary use of be is, quote, with, as when referring to the emotions, kind of superficial level. However, when we want to go deep, it suddenly takes on a lead divine role as, quote, in. That is, the use, the use as, quote, with, the heart, soul, and might are just a triplet, but with the use of as quote in the triplet suddenly transmutes into a triad. This means that the correct way to read this verse is as follows Verse six five Vehafta and you shall love quote, and you shall love chatting with Yotrebafe your God in all your heart and in all your soul and in in all your might. Lead role in the play. The word Bekol in all the quote in refers to to the point, all the while the quote all refers to the origin. Thus, we have as if out there, as if out of nowhere, thanks to diligently paying attention, that the Torah is teaching us something worth knowing. That is, that the point origin of paradise is as the Creator, omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient, all proportions kept, being teaching 101, and it serves to validate the conclusions to follow. This is as a preparation for a mutation to occur like a metamorphosis, 
Once one loves God in all the heart, and in all the soul, and in all the might, not with all, but rather in all, then we jump from the moot creature of creation, PRD, to Bethsalem creative of the creator, S. Slash. Then, in verse 6, 7, we are ready to impart teaching 101 to our children at home and on the road to friends and strangers. And it's no longer opinion, but knowledge. We're no longer part of the problem, but rather part of the solution. Then follows that we've amply then follows what we've amply talked about of verse six eight of binding the sign to our hand and taking charge of things in the world to make it a, a fit place as civilization. So we won't repeat it here, but refer the listener to the other episodes. Instead, this time around we'll focus on the concluding verse six nine. The obvious and immediate question in all this is and what for? Why all the fuss? What's the end game in all this preparation? Please allow me to repeat, repeat it by quoting directly from it, giving its importance. Deuteronomy 6 9, verse 6 9, Uk, taftam, and inscribe them, quote, and inscribe them on the doorposts of your houses and on your city gates. Common. This is reminiscent of how rabbinism interprets, interprets verse Verses 6, 8, and 6, 9. Rabbinism interprets these two verses as making tefillin phylacteries for praying and of placing the mezuzah doorstep for identifying a Jewish home. But as we said before, verse 6, 8 is about chatting with God, not about putting on, on black leather boxes and strings on our, head, on our head and arms and nailing them to the doorframe. Same here. It's not about carrying nor nailing objects, but much more. Or maybe both and both both and. If being inclusive, then the lower interpretation P shouldn't preclude the higher one D. I'm not trying to downplay the role that the boxes play, but rather to rescue what the text within them states us to do. Torah in theory and practice. This is telling us to realize chatting with God as civilization. The thesis is that quote chatting with God is civilization. Civilization understood in our personal spaces as well as in the public square. These seven verses of Deuteronomy 6.1 and 4-9 are the cornerstone of civilization. Verse 6.8 is chatting with God and verse 6.9 puts in practice the instruction received to integrate civilization and to save creation. At the at the down-to-earth level, this is telling us to align the political constitutions and scientific theories and philosophical discourses with paradise. This is covered in other episodes, so we won't bother you anymore here. In particular, the peopleless state of five powers. But the general idea is to open the gift boxes and liberate its contents in order to integrate civilization based on paradise. Quality and quantity. What happens if you love God with and in the heart, soul, and might, but not completely, say only 99%, but 1% not. Perhaps because you're, only, only because you're also loving someone or something else. Then it's not a triad, it's not love. It has to be bekol in all, as point origin. It has to be in all three. Factoring out the common element, we would have bekol in all, followed by parentheses, heart, soul, might, and close parentheses. The question is, when does a quantitative change become a qualitative difference? The problem is as follows. If it's 100%, then it's 1% and 99%. This means that the 99% is equivalent to double zero percent. 
for it to become to become along with the one percent that one hundred percent. This is reminiscent of the first step as the right step the, the right one as the no this is reminiscent of the first step as the right one that is that is what that the right one is what counts when entering a labyrinth. The qualitative is the one percent and the quantitative is the ninety nine percent. With this last one understood as double zero percent in order to make the one hundred percent. The right one step leads to success, the wrong one step leads to failure. The wrong first step leads to failure, irrespectively of the remaining ninety nine steps. It's like the case of dying within one hundred days. And the person dies on day one. Does it really matter to the dead person the remaining ninety nine days? Remember to chat on Shabbat, Shabbat. And while we're on this topic, please allow the following pertinent addenda. Succinctly, the fourth commandment of the Decalogue, Ten Commandments, Aseret Hadevarim, explicitly mandates to keep the Sabbath by chatting with God. Let's be more precise. We're talking about Exodus 20, 20, 28, and this is repeated in Deuteronomy 5, 6 to 21. Exodus 28. Verse 28, yom, and remember chatting with the day. Quote, remember chatting with the Shabbat day. Keep it holy. Comment, it appears twice as usual, first chronologically. Here the emphasis is on Sahor, remember. As an aside, please note the use of Sahoron, remembrances, in Numbers 15.39, contrast with Otafot drippings used in Deuteronomy 6.8 and 11.18. Deuteronomy 5.8. Verse 5.8, Shamor et Yom, and observe chatting with a day. Quote, observe chatting with the Shabbat day and keep it holy, as your God, Yodhe has commanded you. Comment, it appears twice as usual, secondly in the narrative. Here the emphasis is in observe. To keep it holy sounds like keeping it holistic. The point in all this is that chatting, chatting with the Shabbat day is a guarantee of being in proximity with God. The chatting with God is Shabbat resting from the six mundane days of the week. Validation as adherence to the Torah. Perhaps worth mentioning is the reason for stressing that all statements making a claim need to derive from the point origin in order for the claim to be for the claim made to be valid. This follows directly from the rules of the Torah. Everything has a reason for being in the Torah Bible. Our business is to figure it out. There are strict guidelines that need to be observed as explicitly stated in the Holy Scriptures themselves. The first condition is stated in Deuteronomy 4.1. Quote, verse 4.1, Yisrael, and now Israel. Quote, and now, O Israel, listen, S slash, to the laws D and rules R that I am instructing you to observe P. Comment, this is saying in no uncertain terms to thoroughly study the whole Torah Bible. That is, that letters, numbers, words, sentences, and all else contain therein counts. With all due respect, but this is no different from when buying a brand new expensive car, you care and pay, you care and expect attention to details. Be paid to details. The second condition is found in Deuteronomy 4.2. Verse 4.2. Lo thosifu, do not add. Quote, do not add to the words which I command you, nor shall you subtract from it. 
to observe dialogue with the commandment, to observe chatting with the commandments of your God that I command you. Comment. This point blank states to stick to the words of the text by not adding or subtracting things that are not there to begin with. The third condition is found in Deuteronomy 5.29. Verse 5.29. Ushmartem la asot and guard to do. Quote, you shall be careful to do as has commanded your God to do. Do not stray right or left. Comment. This reinforces the first condition, conditional stating not to opine on matters of knowledge empowerment. The fourth condition is rabbinical, not of biblical origin, and is the blessing read before Limut Torah Bible study. Baruch Atah, blessed are you. Quote, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshano Bebinotah Vetsivano Laasok Medivrei Torah. Quote, Blessed are you, Yodhebafhe, our God, King of the Universe, who hallows us with commandments, commanding us to engage with the words of Torah. Comment. In modern terms, to engage means to be intentionally and attentively at one with God when reading the Holy Scriptures. Nothing less will do, no multitasking allowed. It differs from reading literature or studying science. It is in a class or category all by itself. This simply states that for any claim of reasoning to be valid, it has to adhere to the rules in the Torah. It is not capricious on our part. It's simply part and parcel of making sense. Light and light and deep. But before we leave the topic, and given that the table is set, it would be opportune to mention one more thing. But this has to do with Genesis 1-2. So let's start by quoting the remaining verses of day 1 to have ample background to maneuver. Genesis verse 1-2. Verse 1-2. And the earth was chaos and crises. Quote, and the earth was chaos and void with darkness over the face of the deep, and a wind from God sweeping over the waters. Comment. This is just setting the stage for the light. But notice the connection of the deep with darkness. My guess is that deep means that with light you can see deep into things. Verse 1-3, And said God, quote, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Comment. Herein is introduced the light as something new. But is it? Let's read the next verse to find out. Verse 1-4, Vayara Elohim, and saw God, chat, and saw God that chatting with the light was good, and separated God between the light and between the darkness. Comment. What first stands out is that God saw that chatting with the light was good. This shouldn't come as a surprise, being the case that previously we found out that God himself is chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth. So God Elohim must be fond of chatting. Of yod we may not know anything, but later on it is described as yod Elohim, of which we now know that he's all about chatting. The second thing is that next God, the second thing is that next God separated the light from the darkness. But in verse 1-2, mention was made that darkness was blocking the deep. This would seem to imply that the deep and the light are the same thing. Furthermore, that they need separating so the darkness doesn't crowd the light again. That this separation ensures the liberation of the light. Verse 1-5 by Yikra Elohim and called God. Quote, God called the light day and called the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning. Day 1. Comment. We just commented that in verse 1-2 we saw that the Hoshek al Penei Tehom, darkness was over the face of the deep. 
Note the closeness of God with the light and his distancing from the darkness. It says that God, God called the light day, but only using the personal pronoun does he call the darkness night. This I take to mean that God finds chatting with the light to be good. That is, that instructing us regarding civilization is a good thing. Furthermore, not only is God not chatting with the darkness, but that darkness as such plays a role of background drowning noise which inhibits chatting itself, like happiness. Perhaps this darkness which God calls night corresponds to what we previously identified as messianism, mysticism, and habitual crises. Torah and language. The meaning of Torah is unequivocal, whereas Bible can mean whatever you want it to mean. The Bible can mean Torah teaching, the Nevi'im, prophets, and Ketuvim writings. Some add to these certain texts which are traditional, but which didn't make it to the canon. And this is just from the Jewish side. There's also the Christian Bible understood to mean the New Testament and changes to the aggregate text of the Tanakh Bible. The Torah is revelation, plain and simple, or alternatively, by the scholarly name Pentateuch as the five books of Moses. Language is basic and comes before any written text in that language. Whether it's right to left or left to right, in either case a thought is slash one, followed by the grammatical parts rolling out with subject D first, verb R second, and object P third. We learn to talk before developing the skill of the mathematical principles of physical philosophy. That is, exemplifying in English left to right in writing down equations is playing a principle as thought S, the unknown, comes first on the left side as subject D, followed by the equal sign R, by the equal sign R as the verb, then on the right side comes the object P, be it mass space-time. Additionally, it can work at the next level as well, as in the case of force of gravity. We have force equals mass times acceleration, where force S equals slash mass P space R time D, or simpler still, as in a forest S, forest S is slash a collection of trees PRD. Age of reason failing. Reason can confirm was given as shown. Being S slash becoming PRD. A valid question is what, is what kept the age of reason from figuring it out. I'm sure its proponents are perfectly capable of responding to this matter. My take is that the School of Athens of classical philosophy gave little to no credit to the pre-Socratics. Aristotle would refer to them as primitive. He seemed to disregard the role they played as guiding thread, as opening words to a quest. The School of Athens failed to map the three schools and one sect of the pre-Socratics to philosophy and mythology respectively. But ultimately, it takes two to tango. That is, from the side of the West, Europe, now what about from the side of the East, Israel? What part did biblical authorities play in all this? This, this is split in turn between the church and the synagogue. My guess is that they were both misled and thrown off course by the messianism and mysticism conjecture and crisis as usual alternative. Age of enlightened reason is... Uh, forward, PRD, crossed out, unreason, S, slash, messianism, D, crisis as usual, or mysticism, P. Mass deception. Just because it reads enlightened, enlightenment age of reason doesn't make it the enlightenment age of reason. There are lies and truths running around in the world. 
not everything got written down on the stone tablets. Sometimes the inverse opposite happens to be the case. And what could it be, I wonder? Well, jokingly, of course, but the opposite of the sun is what appears light, but doesn't actually emit, but rather merely reflects light. Bingo, the moon! That's half of the challenge, but the second half is easily provided by added measure. What's the mirror image of reason? Not falsehood, that is the negation of reason. No, the mirror image of reason is unreasonableness, or unreason. There you have it. Mass deception is having us all believe in the chimera of what is nothing other than the loony enlightenment and loony enlightenment of unreason. Maybe a more pleasant and shorter version would be the loon enlightenment age of unreason. Israel, Presocratics, and Athens. If there is a universal principle of knowledge for empowerment, then everything must somehow derive from this single point origin. Uh, point origin source. The focus is to demonstrate that the pre-Socratics followed this paradigm in the 6th century before the common era of the triad of schools of thought and one secret sect. The next challenge is to bind the pre-Socratics to the next ones up the line of civilization of the school of Athens and Greek and the Greek pantheon. Next, make the usual division in philosophy departments into the basic subject areas of metaphysics, ethics, aesthetics, and epistemology. In simpler terms, philosophy as metaphysics S slash, literally the beyond the physical, is studied as good P, beauty D, and knowledge R, respectively. Then, insofar as civilization is based on Greek thought, it will be safe to make the connection to contemporary thought as the continuation of the same Greek paradigm. There you have it, explained in, great, in large strokes. This would be the end of the story were it not for the fact that our world is broken. It's simply not right. There is something wrong. What's wrong is that it's not paradise as S slash PRD, but more like S no slash with separate PRD or like S uh, separate from P, from, separate from R, separate from D. In other words, it's not the universal principle of knowledge for empowerment of the whole S is made slash of triad parts PRD. Rather, whatever it is, it's bewilderment. PRD crossed out. For debilitation is crossed out. Given that chaos, chaos, what we're suggesting is integrating the three parts of religion D, philosophy R, and science P into a triad PRD to give empowerment S slash and not debilitation S uh, crossed out by keeping them separate. Of course, there was a reason in history to keep things separate. It was a way of breaking up the power of the king and the church by keeping them separate. While the benefits are numerous, it did come at a cost. But it wasn't so much about the cost and benefits study. Rather, it was on account that they didn't have any other way of doing things than keeping them separate. Like the lesser of two evils. Keeping them separate of a broken world of feudalism or else keeping them together of monolithic world of theocracy. Broken-hearted world. This pretty much sums up the age of unreason transitioning to the age of empowerment. The pursuit of happiness is our broken wor broken-hearted world. Happiness is the problem, not the solution. Loon lightened unreason of issues, rights, laws, and entitlements. Empowerment reason of vision of paradise. All shouldn't give up nor shy away from empowerment s slash, nor be scared of the universal R or the absolute D for the sake of the relative P. Foundations. 
the chaos due to civilization founded on Greece. <clears throat> Paradise will be civilization founded on primeval Israel, then classical Greece and elsewhere. We are victims of a collective deception, of a massive delusion. The social edifice is broken from the bottom up. The four cornerstones or the four stones at the corners are misunderstood. There are four stones, but how are they fitted together is the question. The lack of a unifying principle is projected upwards as habitual crises. I had studied Greece, philosophy and science, and it was new to Israel religion, and in following church and state separation kept them separate kept them far apart. Accidentally, my pre-Socratic quote triads, master theses, uh, degree theses, unfinished, incomplete, served as missing link between archaic Israel and antique Greece. What is needed is paradise to get the tradition and the world back on track and put an, and put an end to bad things happening to good people. And following is a table of sorts regarding paradise. Primeval Israel. Secret S slash discover D remit R plain P. Pre-Socratic. Pythagorean Tetractis S slash Parmenides, Parmenides Iliatics D. Pythagorean Triads R. Thales Cosmology P. Greece. Mythological Pantheon S slash Plato D. Socrates R. Aristotle P. West. Messianism and Mysticism slash uh, uh, S uh, slash Crises PRD. Meaning a religion D. Separate from philosophy R. Separate from science P. Philosophy. Metaphysics S slash Beauty Aesthetics D. Good Ethics R. Truth Epistemology P. If you claim or reject that civilization already has foundations, I will reply by asking, how come it's falling apart? The foundations don't seem to be holding the social edifice together from underneath, as it should. It's merely doing it from the sides or in between, as for in the meantime, not without permanent character, or to put it figuratively, it's hanging with a brush. What's keeping it floating is common sense. It's with the help of using plain common sense to supplant the faults of reason that it's still going on, however much limping. One thing first and foremost. Why is it important to have the sign paradise in our hand before one starts receiving messages in the third eye? Because it's a tip of the guiding thread. Knowing things in the big picture, deep dive, long duration of things, then we can make sense of them when receiving totafot messages between our eyes. Whereas, not putting the sign on our hand means not taking charge of things. It's just opinion, unable to adequately understand the messages for lack of the full alphabet and number system of the universal principle of knowledge. Like learning a language, you need the whole alphabet from Aleph A to Taf T. Our letters A to C, and from and from the one onwards to ten, and iteratively in both directions. If you don't start with the one, then you are skipping and leaving out, and leaving them out of the thought. Imagine leaving out some of the consonants or vowels. How would your sentences look like? It's like trying to decipher fragments of sentences and figures. Opinions are partial views, and there's no way of making sense of findings because there's nothing to compare it to as distinct from a puzzle where you have all the pieces and the picture to guide you. Imagine a car out of the showroom with wiring and parts missing. How would it perform? When there are missing pieces, there are numerous ways of putting them together. There is no right way. All are partially wrong and partially right, and no knowing which is which. 
No wonder religious and secular systems are so full of Byzantine discussions. Great opinions, awesome insights, but walking on their heads. Subjective truths dependent on whom you ask. What we have right now is patchwork. The problem is that there is no way of knowing if it's complete, if there's even a whole, nor knowing if it's self-supporting and not having one piece, each piece working against the rest. Two negatives do not make a positive. <clears throat> if there's a global movement against bad things, is it really in favor of anything? Or is it deceiving people by th into thinking that it's actually proposing something real to fix the world? To be against the bad and in favor of the good. But f for what good in particular? Like saying combat bigotry and hate with love. While it may make good script for the pulpit, how does it help the public square? Case in point for contrast is the Enlightenment period when the thinkers proposed grand theories to replace the sick system of the sick system of monarchy. Ideas like people sovereign, nation of law, state of three law powers and the like, names like Rousseau, Montesquieu and Locke. These are regard these as regards the modern state, plus the practical thinkers on the American side of Jefferson, Franklin Adams, and many more. They can get away with not saying anything. Case in point, anti defamation. No disrespect meant. What are they actually proposing beyond don't do bad things to good people? What the world wants and needs is to know what good they're proposing. What net good that is. Good is good and not just and, and just not bad. It's simply not acceptable. In politics, it's common to combat those in office by critiquing their policies. But those in power don't have the op that option. They have to come up with tentative propositions of good. Actually, they don't. All those in power have to do is dis deconstruct what those out of office erected. All in all, it's a net gain of zero. A string of negatives is just zeros with no number one in front. Jewish Talmud, Greek philosophy, and Roman law. Little if no credit is given to Roman law as part of the success of Rome. It is comparable to Jewish Talmud as the legal body to rule the Kehillat community. Greek thought was more focused on the humanity as distinct from Rome on law. Greece's culture, Rome was just empire. Four principles and one principle. Four principles? Case in point is a triangle made out of three inter intercrossing lines. Once the lines form the sides of the triangle, they're no longer just lines, but more so sides of the triangle. The idea is the question of how the three or four principles relate to each other to make a single universal principle. One and only one principle to be the universal principle, but not monolithic as one equals one. There must be diversity all the while integrating into one. All that's needed is the universal principle of empowerment, that's all. What's happening right now is like the iceberg image. The prevalence of lies backed by deeper lies and so on of the biggest lie of them all. See my podcast, Lie and Truth, Parts 1, 2, and 3. Dead Star. The so-called age of reason is a dead star. Light stop may stop reaching us anytime now. Of course, it could take from right now to within the next 500 years or so. Nobody knows for sure when it will happen. Not if, but when. The light will go out, but how so and how much? Will it be bad connection flickering and then complete blackout? Human rights can be a case in point. Spanish, para muestra basta un botón. It perfectly exemplifies the lack of foundations. Should we worry about climate change catastrophe or nuclear apocalypse or long, bef or long, or, or long before that background shifting of, of cultural slide? 
Return to nature from culture? Growing back a tail and going naked? Going from civilization to the wilderness? From grass to more subtle? Like the lab frog which was boiled to death as compared to the one thrown into boiling water and jumps out? Anything can play the role of monkey wrench when things are hanging by pins and needles. Like the fight for how leadership can trigger avalanche of diverging distrust in institutions and doubting our neighbors. Just press things with the end of consensus, there's the polarization dominating things. It seems that the backup plan of the age of reason and modernity is messianism. When the light bulbs go out, the sky will light up the earth. The other solution is getting it right once and for all and building up accordingly. Reconstitution instead of reconstruction after collapse. Polarization of infrareds and ultraviolets. <clears throat> History repeats itself, but not in the same way. With the pulling away of polarization of the infrareds and ultraviolets, we're going to end with a hollow core. Like in the prophets, they were warning the king and priesthood and the people of corruption and punishment of an eventual downfall. Internal weakening of social fabric in Israel and Judea and external strengthening of enemy states of Mesopotamia and Egypt. If it's too good to be true, then probably it isn't. It's time to start worrying. Just not thinking about it won't make it go away. Holding our heads in the sand isn't going to resolve any more than sitting on our hands. Living the moment of the here and now only goes so far. Back during the 30s in Europe, they had the infrared communists fighting it out with the ultraviolets of the Falange in Spain, the fascists in Italy, and the Nazis in Germany. Spain went to the battlefield, but Germany and Italy, Italy didn't cut corners and went to the ballot box. Like school shooter drills, at first nobody wanted them because it would traumatize kids. Now it's universally accepted. Better be safe than sorry. We need to be prepared and preferably avoid it by looking forward. There was a movie that Russians are coming with a happy love ending. Zelensky, in the case of Ukraine, was at first adamant to the warnings from the U.S. intelligence of the imminent attack from Russia, complaining that it was stressing the population, which was already used to the idea of the limited warfare on the Eastern Front. Crack and collapse. Imminent collapse. The short answer is messianism or else empowerment. Or the other way around. <clears throat> Will it be like falling off a cliff or a slow ro downhill roll? Like water falling off a waterfall or more like a river flowing downstream to the lake or ocean? Most likely by analogy to the Niagara Falls or on the Niagara River on the border of Canada and the U.S. And maybe a little of both. A crack turns into a structural decomposition, decompensation and collapse. Things are held together by pins and needles. It's a house of cards. There are only two ways to avoid implosion and collapse. Why collapse? Because there's no foundation. There's no cornerstone. Just a set of lateral insertions of loose principles holding things up. Anything can start the cascade. A, st a spark can start a fire. Speakership fight or Ukraine war or COVID. Like the case of the Iranian girl killed because not adequately wearing the hijab. Or like the aquarium bus in the lobby of the Berlin Hotel. It wasn't a terrorist attack. Simply material fatigue infinitesimally adding up to move the needle and it all comes tumbling down. Once it reaches tipping point, there's no stopping it. Sudden awareness that the emperor has no clothes, that the giant has clay feet, the straw that broke the camel's back, that dropped and spilled the glass. A spark out of the sky starts a fire, as if by spontaneous combustion. <clears throat> Founding civilization on empowering people. Revelation S slash inspiration D enlightenment R computational P. It is based on one thing and one thing only, on the universal principle of empowerment of paradise at Genesis 1-1 Aleph. 
Maybe the hope, trust, belief is that the bad things of collapse of civilization will bring the messianic age sooner and eternal life thereafter. Happiness, galore, mirage. So long as we continue discussing, we're not giving up just yet. Believing is hoping. False hope but still keeps it going on backup batteries or emergency generator. Loss of faith or trust in our institutions could bring about a run on the banks back to using the mattress, the closet, and walls to keep valuables. Postmodernity on Israel, not on Greece. Revelation makes intuitive sense in the measure that we're creators of the Creator and not just creatures of creation as the rest of the animal, plant, and mineral kingdoms. Not that there aren't other powers besides Yotrebafre Elohim, Creator God, but that there's one power of the powers. In Deuteronomy 10.17, He is the Eloh, Elohe Elohim, God of Gods. And in Deuteronomy 10.13, Letov Lach, for good for, you, for good for you. This is telling us that the ordering of things is important. That's why it's important to found paradise postmodernity on primeval Israel, then on classical Greece, not like it is today, separated one from the other, Israel D, D Greece P, but rather paradise postmodernity R with creatives S slash. It has much it has much Greek influence, not that there's anything wrong with it. It's the order ordering of cause and effect that is flipped. Big picture, long duration of things. Holistic and heuristic, Renaissance, Enlightenment, Modernity was recovery of Greek antiquity. Postmodernity is rediscovery of archaic Israel or primeval Israel. Prophets S slash sages D, philosophers R, thinkers P, sages or wisdom persons of Israel, friends of wisdom or philosophers of Greece, inaugurate the era of postmodernity previously known as the age of Aquarius. Crisis ages in world and in Israel. It is important to both distinguish and synchronize world history with that of the periods relevant to the history of Israel. They are certainly not the same, but on the other hand, they are entangled. It's only one world, however much there are differences between the whole and its constituent parts. This is a subject beyond the scope of this modest venture. Suffice that we limit it to our range of interest. The world taking precedence over that of Israel for the sake of simplicity. In general, I'm taking a pause in nomenclature and returning to B'nai Israel, Children of Israel, or Israel for short. Though it's a grammatical lapse, Israel, Israel and Israels, instead of Israelite or the prophets or of Israeli of contemporary times. Jews doesn't have the same gematria meaning as Israel. Suffice that it says Shema Israel, listen Israel, and not Shema Yehudi, listen Jew. The two times that are of interest for our argument are those of the appearance of the Sohar radiance in the 13th century and that of the Enlightenment in the 18th century, all dates approximate. These stand out insofar as the Sohar introduced mysticism proper, while the Enlightenment introduced in Israel the admixture of messianism with mysticism in Eastern Jewry and of messianism with Hellenism in Western Jewry. Israel isn't going through a crisis as a Israel isn't going through a crisis as the world, but insofar as the fate of postmodernity is, is indissolubly entangled with that of post-Rabbinism, they follow the same fate for better or for worse, sooner or later. The thing is that in the greater picture of things, Israel does not ex doesn't exist outside world history, such that if there is a crisis in the world, there will be a crisis in Israel. Israel, as religion of Judaism, is exempt of the crisis as any other faith, but as Israel, it is not. 
the Torah is not just another dialogue of Plato or another treatise of Aristotle. Secondhand sourcing. The West got its Renaissance and the and Moonlightenment secondhand from Greece. We need to set the record straight, starting by restarting things at the point origin of paradise. Make the necessary changes to the road signs of culture, starting with Genesis 1, 1, Aleph. Insert the modification where one sees the earth chatting with. Moonlightenment, the age of dualistic reason. Enlightenment, the age of empowerment of paradise. Post-Messianism times. Now that Messianism has been debunked in favor of paradisism, S slash religion D, philosophy R, science P, we need to ask what comes next. Is there any sense for the continuous split between the Abrahamic religions? If there is no daylight between them, how are they different? Mysticism is likewise offside, and it and so it doesn't count in the least. Yes, there are differences, but they are derivable. But are they derivable from the point origin? That is the question. If the differences are not derivable from the point origin at Genesis one one Aleph, they're dispensable. Hasidism, in Hasidism, Pietism. Kavana is one of four themes of religious worship and spiritual striving. The true faithful constantly contemplates the presence of the divine Hit Bonenut, constantly cleaves and communes with the divine Devekut with intense ecstasy, feeling the divine Hit La Havut, and is rapidly, rap, rapidly devoted to this divine Kavana. This low-flying fruit looks too tempting to pass. With all due respect, my preliminary take would be Kavana S slash Hit Lavahut D De Bekut R Hit Bonenut P. The key concepts I'll refer I'll refer to the divine R devotion S slash ecstasy D cleaves and communes R presence P. But in order in order not to miss the point of including this thorny subject, I need to say the following. But not before stating that Kavana intention Seems isomorphic to Shema Israel, listen Israel, insofar as it's like a wake-up call to start paying attention. Don't do good things which appear bad. In, Sp in Spanish, no hagas cosas buenas que parezcan malas. By this is meant that sometimes good things may be wrongly misinterpreted if they fall into bad hands. The quest is for the source of the mirage of happiness so dominant in our social media and in general in our strongly held beliefs. Whatever happened to the work ethic? Now it's all about happiness. Needless to say, this isn't exclusive to Hasidism and other Western faith practices. It also applies to yoga and Eastern practices of mind control and ecstasy. The problem with this is that it gives rise to instant gratification. Uh, yeah. In general, proclivity to drug addiction, alcoholism, sexism, and other good things taken beyond the range of validity. And all this is... And all this is closely related to depression, stress, and other ailments way too frequent in modern affluent society. Let's not forget to include the virality of mass shootings and suicides and other as well too numerous to mention. The conclusion reached is that religion D, especially the type which stresses ecstasy, is too prone to open the door to excesses in wealthy nations, and by extension to those so-called nations in development which follow the leadership set by the former at all levels, nationally and nationally and individually. This is just another failed attempt of religion D to reach the goal acting separately instead of in unison with philosophy R and science P so as to realize the one commandment mitzvah of paradise. 
at the ground level is like what parents do in private is certainly okay, but letting others into their personal affairs may not be acceptable. The problem is that in the world there is no privacy if it's in the public domain. None of the claims of Hasidism are put in doubt, solely that it is religion, D, and not civilization, S slash, not to mention being aggravated by their reliance on messianism and mysticism. Paradise uncurls at civilization, S slash, religion, D, uh, philosophy, R, science, P. The problem is that over and above the goodness of religion, D, religion is a force behind our broken world. And the same epithet can be said about philosophy R and science P. As, tri as tripartism, they're to blame, but as triadism, it will be to their credit. Religion and secular leadership. In Judaism, there are two dominant groups providing leadership. They are Rabbinism D and Wealth P, with the intellectuals R playing second piper to dualism Greece. Unfortunately, we have at present uh, M&M, S slash, that is, messianism and mysticism as a strategy facing habitual crisis of our broken world. Recall that in all this, recall in all this that rabbinism is code for religion of any and all faiths, be they Christianity or Islam or others. Conclusion. This is an ongoing quest. Please follow the podcast for what to do about it next.